and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's a South Texan poppy poet living that hashtag middle class gay life. It's Chibi. She's a little bit Selena, a little bit JLo, and a whole lot of Pisces. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. What is up, beautiful people? Welcome to another installment of Words and Shit. Obviously, I am here without Raquel this week, but it is because we are live in in Baltimore at the Stonewall International Poetry Slam Festival. Audience, make some noise for us. Super exciting. This is a week-long festival celebrating the voices of non-cis-het poets from all across the country. And I am so excited to get into our conversation with our guests. We had her on in season one, but so much has happened uh, that we have to just bring her back. So, Chicondria Icon Sibley is an Alexandria, Louisiana native and longtime New Orleans-based poet, writer, performing artist, visual artist, and teaching artist. A multiple-time National Poetry Slam champion, Chicondria travels the country performing, including at colleges, universities, and has made many television and stage appearances, including TV One's Verses and Flows, and the main stage at Essence Music Festival. Her work has appeared on Huffington Post for Harriet, Teen Vogue, BET, BBC, World Radio, as well as in several exhibits and documentaries. She has starred in several stage plays, featured in musical projects, and worked with Grammy-nominating recording artists, as well as co-writing two short films and starring in one. She is the author of a newly published collection of poetry, My Name is Pronounced Holy, a collection of poems, prayers, remembrance, and reclamations. Y'all help me welcome to the stage my good friend friend and your Chicondria Icon Sibley. Come on, come on. It has been a minute, Brad. I know. Here we are. Here we are. Look over. We here. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're we're friends, uh, and everybody that's watching is going is fixing to get to know you. Know, like the whole point of the show is to get to know the person behind the poetry. So, as friends, we always like to do a quick little check in. So, the question is, how's your heart today, friend? Oh, my heart is um, open mm-hmm. on today. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited to be here in Baltimore and to share with all these beautiful people of all kinds of backgrounds and life experiences and I'm just open to like learning to hearing some beautiful poetry to being inspired to create more Mm. um and just like open during this time of a pandemic when everything's been so closed and shut off it's just good to be back around poets and good to be back around people who genuinely love what it is they do and do it for the life of it and not you know, for any other reason. So yeah, open. I, I totally get that. This whole week as we've been like meeting people that we haven't seen in years or meeting people that maybe we met in a virtual space it has just been this big old, like we, we coming together, mm-hmm. like our hearts, our arms, our whole selves have been open. So I love that. All right. Well, before we dive into the, the deep dive section, we like to do a, a quick little lightning round called speed dating. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And you feel free to answer as in-depthly or as concisely as you feel you need to answer. Okay, okay. to justify your answer. So first question, what has been your favorite performance? Oh, shit. Um, it would have to be something off of this tour that I just came off. Uh, of course, with Tank, mm-hmm. uh, Teriana Tank Ball from Tank and the Bangers. Something about me around Tank. I was supposed to be quick. The tour. <laughs> no, no, no. Part of the tour. As, as, <laughs> as in-depth or concisely, you can say whatever you want. Um, what is your current obsession? 
Ooh. YouTube. Oh. Unfortunately. <laughs> you can learn. I just raised my credit score like 100 points off the strength of YouTube. Like YouTube University is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, I got like an honorary doctorate. Uh -huh. yeah. Ask me to do anything. I could fix your car. Uh, yeah. My father is the same way. He's got this car that is so old and he's just like, okay, yeah. so how do I install a carburetor? Got I'm, it. I'm a DIY bitch, so I, yeah. I love it. Independent <laughs> woman, right? All right. Um, I ask this of all of our guests. What is your favorite food dish to eat? Mm. I'm a foodie. I need to know. It's going to be it's so ghetto. A spaghetti. <laughs> I like spaghetti because I can eat spaghetti every day, all day. You make a pot and you can eat off of it for days. And I don't know if that comes from like college experience or whatever, mm. but spaghetti. Yeah, spaghetti and meat sauce. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anything Not special? everybody's because I'm from Louisiana, so you don't eat everybody red sauce. <laughs> okay. okay. I'll tell y'all about that later. No, no, tell me now. <laughs> tell me now. <laughs> There's a little, you know, it's been known some people do a little juju with the red sauce. And and yeah, don't eat a woman's red sauce. You you might not ever be able to leave her. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll I'm, let that be that. I'm not eating spaghetti <laughs> in uh, Louisiana without you. All right. All right. Final question. Do you have a spiritual practice? Oh, it's a culmination of a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I grew up Christian, so it's a little bit of, and I live in New Orleans. I'm from Louisiana, so it's a bunch of things mm -hmm. but i would like to consider myself more like a nature or natural spiritualist like mm -hmm. yeah find that connection to the earth. everything yeah okay. yeah i love it i love it all right well my heart is warm i feel like we've gotten a little gotten to know icon just a little bit uh so we're gonna dive into the deep conversation in a moment but if you could please we're here for the poetry uh give us a poem let's do it y'all clap for miss icon <laughs> published work, uh, which, which is unlike, unlike my slam poem, uh, slam work, uh, but this, this is a poem about me, a little girl, somewhere, uh, somewhere, somewhere, in a little town like mine, in a hood like, like mine, on a street like mine, in a house like, like mine, maybe, maybe there is a girl, a girl with simple words and a complex name, we need to see another name that look like it could be her, mama's, or her sister's, or her aunties, or her cousins, or her best friends, or hers. When she searches for something familiar across rows and rows and rows, down spines and spines and spines, between pages and pages and pages, between lines and lines and lines of names that are stingy with syllables, or names that are no louder than a respectable tone, or even names that broke through the dirt of any other country, but here, any names other than the ones that in seasickness were vomited up on these shores and washed away more and more with each ravenous tide, you know, any name other than the ones who called this home. Long before these picked the lock, set up, set up shop and changed it to America. Maybe she a country girl from country folk with dismembered knowledge of her origin before her big daddy, Commandeer, and God maybe, See, much of her lineage lies scattered somewhere beneath a maze of headstones and a garden of memories, a place with too many flowers and not enough remembering, or beneath rows of crooked crosses and overgrown churchyards on now abandoned roads somewhere in Alexandria, somewhere in Boyce, somewhere in Taylor Hill, somewhere in Hannah, somewhere in Three Leagues, somewhere in Powhatan, somewhere in Minnie, somewhere in the middle of only God knows where, somewhere 
where entire villages and towns full of names and faces and stories hopped into the casket too when such and so died. Somewhere in the whole wide country, maybe there is a girl who don't know nothing about her could be West African or her could be Caribbean or her could be part Indian or her could be nothing else but her for show black. She who only got faith in a God she could feel but can't quite name and both her grandmama's faith in Jesus and prayer. She who is of those who tuck their dreams reverently between the pages of dog-eared daily devotionals and superstition. She who knows both Psalms and Proverbs and salt and shoulders, knows fire and brimstone and spit and brooms, knows wine and wafers and cracks and mamas with damn near broken backs. She who is tender, tender mustard greens and hot water cornbread crafted in hand-me-down cast iron skillets and skillfully eating with fingers instead of forks because she was taught that we already came here with everything we need and it just tastes better that way. She who is homemade butter biscuits and mud pies and everything southern and deep and brown and made lovingly by hand. Maybe she needs to see a familiar face, a familiar name, a familiar story of how something so living can grow from the same kind of stolen land. Mm. All right. <laughs> so that's the way we're going to start. That's how we're going to start. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I definitely get the 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 nature is you know there's a lot of connection to the earth to place to location, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also getting a lot of location uh, connections like history. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there was a time when I wrote for everybody else, and now I find myself really writing for myself. Mm -hmm. That's been the transition. I mm -hmm. think I told you this yesterday. I wanted to kind of diminish the icon part of myself mm -hmm. and become more and more chicondria mm -hmm. um, because that little girl or there's a little girl somewhere or a little person somewhere who needs to see um, somebody who came from um, the background I came from. So I'm a little country girl from Louisiana, from mm -hmm. a little small town. Mm -hmm. And um, what we do know mostly of, especially like black American people, a lot of us don't know exactly where we came from. Mm -hmm. We just know the stories that have been passed down um, of many of us who had to, whose families had to just pack up and come over here across water or whatever, you know, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. you know, you know yeah. this. Yeah. Don't know exactly like every part of ourselves because we had to leave so much of that behind to come here. Mm -hmm. And so I speak for that that person who doesn't know exactly what tribe she only knows of a guy that she could feel but can't quite name. Mm -hmm. I don't know what my guy's name was before I came here. You know, I'm not able to pinpoint a tribe necessarily that I come from, but I know the tribe I have now. Mm -hmm. And I know the tribe that uh, my grandmothers speak of. Uh, my family is uh, a mixture of, of course, being from Louisiana um, part, I guess I'm assuming West African. That's why I said she don't know nothing about her could be West African. Mm -hmm. Her could be. I was told that my great great grandfather came here with nine siblings and they all got split up on the sugar boats. Some of them were sent to Haiti. Some were sent to Mexico. The others were um, in New Orleans and then shipped up northern Louisiana. And that's what I know. So I speak for those. And then also um, looking on bookshelves and always seeing names of, you know, other people's names, Dostoevsky, Tchaikovsky, mm -hmm. da, 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 or even other foreign names and never seeing a Letitia 
Williams, who's mm -hmm. the author of a book that's a bestseller, uh, Ebony Stewart, you know what I'm saying? A Shikandria Sibley, uh, mm -hmm. the, the little black girls with big names uh, who you don't see a lot of, who don't get the mainstream attention. So mm -hmm. that's the basis of that, that going back to the root of finding who you are, even if it's stolen, like, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere deep inside, like what, what the root of it is. So yeah, yeah. that's how we start. <laughs> Yeah, even if it is who you are, something that you've just kind of had to make up had because to make up you, you don't have something that yeah. that uh, influence like that you can carry through mm -hmm. into the future. Mm -hmm. I love I love that the emphasis on the name because, like you said, like there's all these white authors with very complicated names that we are forced to learn how to pronounce. Come on now, but other people don't take the time to learn how to pronounce Manuel Roberto Orduña Carretero. Come on, say you that know? again. I like how that rolled off the tongue. You know, or Shacondria Sibley. I'm going to start right? saying Shacondria. Shacondria. <laughs> you can have the rolled R. Thank you. You can have it. So, uh, so then let's, let's talk about the name. Because, you know, like I first learned of you as Icon, you know, in the slam scene. That's kind of how we all knew you. Um, where did Icon come from? Because now, you know, you talked about we're shedding Icon to become Shikandria. Why did, why did Icon have to be created? Mm. Icon had to be created, I think, for, um, well, it, the name came from initially, so my nickname was always, I'm going to give y'all family secrets and all this. <laughs> and I told you about that, um, Shikandria. A lot of my family calls me Connie Boo. That's my nickname, Connie Boo. Okay. So Connie Boo was too immature when I went to school. My friends just called me Con. When I played uh -huh. sports, I was Shaq. I've always had a shortened version um. of my name somewhere. So when I got into poetry, it was just Khan. And my good friend, best friend, Asia Rainey, uh, who's a phenomenal poet too, uh, yeah. out of New Orleans, she was like, you can't just be Khan. Like, it's got to be something else. It's got to it's you, you're a, and it was convict. People were calling me convict. Ooh. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. we're not going to speak that into existence. I believe in the power of the tongue. Um, so she's like, no, icon. And it's not in the sense, I think I lowercase the I. Most mm -hmm. people think it's because I'm trying to play off the iPad, iPod, <laughs> iApple kind of thing. Uh, it's a lowercase I, as in to say, like, little me, you know, I am kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's where it's really I am kind instead of icon so that's why it's a lowercase i to distinguish that mm -hmm. but I, I think i had to stick with that stage name too for so long because i needed that confidence and that shield to hide behind for mm -hmm. the longest um even when i was slamming and winning slams like i was still like mm -hmm. feeling very unsure of myself and i feel like this is the most sure and most certain i've ever felt of myself has mm -hmm. been uh, away from that mm -hmm. and so the book doesn't have my name doesn't have icon on it necessarily unless you look on the back it has like my name in quotations but i yeah. specifically put my first and both my last names mm -hmm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. i was born to a teenage mother who you know my my parents are still together but i was size when i was born a lot of people don't know that mm -hmm. and my name my last name didn't change till sibley until i was in high school mm -hmm. um so that's who i am chicandria size sibley those two tribes that make up me yeah um yeah what a journey i love that um and you definitely get that in the book this <laughs> sense of this sense of certainty you know the sense of celebration mm -hmm. um and you've talked a little bit about that that journey to get there what was the journey in putting this book together because you've been doing this a hot minute but this is your your first you know full-length collection like what was the journey to to arriving at this incredible book 
this book was going to press and I was like, let's shut it down. <laughs> I'm not, no, let's not do that. This. That's part of the writing process. When you finish it and you're like, it's trash, throw it all away. Partly because I was also afraid of, um, I'm gonna be really transparent here. Uh, and coming from that Southern Baptist background, mm -hmm. um, there's a way that we reverence and think of and learn about God uh, mm -hmm. that I come to learn and realize on my own is a little bit different than the God we were given. I mean, it, not to say the God we were given, but the idea of God that we were given. Um, I do believe that there, I believe in a higher power and or whatever that kind of governs our, all of us or that lives within all of us. I won't say governs, but lives mm -hmm. within all of us. Um, and so the journey to get to this book, it was during the whole pandemic. I had started this book to like about two, three years, to mm -hmm. be honest. Um, and when I, during the pandemic, I just kept putting it to the side because I was just afraid to go there, go there, go there. Because mm -hmm. there are poems in that book that are very personal, like most poetry books should be mm -hmm. or are. Um, but things I felt like would expose my family or expose myself. And then it's just like, nah. So during the pandemic was when I really was like sitting with myself. The first two, I want to say almost three months of the pandemic, I was in complete solitude. Like I didn't go anywhere. I live alone. Uh, I didn't, I went no further than like to take out my trash and to get my mail and I was having my groceries delivered. I was that like, mm. I had just gone through like a breakup and it was just a lot of things going on. So I really deep dived into like, this was almost my therapy in a way. Mm -hmm. And when you say the celebratory part of it, like I had to celebrate, I had to speak the things I didn't even believe or feel into existence, mm -hmm. like in this book, because I needed this book. And I didn't write it with the intention of it's going to be a bestseller or it's going to be a whatever. Whatever it becomes is what it becomes. Yeah. But I needed this book to affirm me mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. affirm those who look like me, come from where I come from, or who don't look like me, who may just have a similar story. Yeah. And you you briefly mentioned it, you know, when you were talking about your name and people wanting to call you convict. And it's like, no, 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 don't manifest that. Mm -mm. You know, so a lot of this is kind of like I'm writing it, even if I don't fully believe it, but I'm writing it because I need to hear it so mm -hmm. that I eventually believe it. Yeah. 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 I believe it now. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Well, uh, I think that's a really great transition for another poem. Let's do it. Can you give us one? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so, um, in speaking of those people, thank y'all so much again. Um, this feels really good to be here, honestly. Um, I lost, right before the pandemic, I lost my paternal grandmother. This is country living. We live literally across the street from like my grandmother. My other grandmother, I grew up like two houses down from like that kind of community. But in losing my grandmother, uh, it just made me realize so many things about myself and what kind of woman she was as a person and not just a grandmother too. Uh, but this is Grandma's Hands, after Bill Withers, for Leva May. Mother, matriarch, maker of bomb biscuits and cakes, a little bit of butter and a whole lot of love being her most important ingredients. But never was it a secret because we all knew what Grandma put in the food, even if we ain't know the exact recipe. Could already taste it long before our mouths ever knew full always left her house with hearts and bellies to match. She would always say, nah, grandma ain't got much. Now realizing that what she had to give was more than our stomachs or our hands could ever hold. Held a special place in her heart for each and every one of us. So I'd like to believe that each time she stumbled over our names, uh, Shalanda, uh, Shikandi, Tanea, girl, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> that was only because she had all of us on her mind her mouth wrapped like a hug around each of our names and all her prayers. 
placed an open Bible in each room of her house to show that she served more than just warm meals and sweet words, sharp ones if you caused any confusion. Because as for my grandma and her house, the Lord always had a seat at the head of the table. And for as long as I can remember, she and the rest of the disciples would gather around on Thanksgiving Eve, one stirring the pies, one cleaning the greens, one peeling the potatoes, one shelling the peas, all of them swapping smiles and, ooh, childs, and the kind of deep-bellied laughter that only grandmamas and mamas and aunties know how to reach deep down and give birth to. And every year, this became tradition became engraved in all of our minds and tongues like scripture and faithfully we recited like for in my grandmother's house there are many memories if it were not so i wouldn't have told you about all the random mornings when she would call and invite us all over because she had the sudden urge to make biscuits from scratch scrambled eggs and pan sausage and of course it wouldn't be right without the steams cane syrup Told you I'm from Louisiana. Uh, pineapple upside down, jelly tea and pound cakes. Wrist work to whip the rough side of any batter into a smooth and creamy palm. Calm. See, my grandmama had blessed palms that for decades nursed her family and a city of folks back to health. And Rapids General Hospital ain't never had an angel like her walking its wings since. She never, never was afraid to fly. She, she would hop on a boat or a plane, or gas up that blue Buick Skylark, or adventure with that tan Chevrolet Impala and hit I-49 North headed for Shreveport faster than you could sell Natchitoches. Wings fan wide like the doors of Second Evergreen Baptist Church or that little brown house on Baldwin Avenue. Nurse, usher, Sunday school teacher, believer, bearer of the best popcorn balls, sweet honey bee gathering all the other queens on her porch or at the church or piling together in somebody's car, thick as hides, dripping trails of thick laughter down roads and highways, spreading love like pollen. Her bed spread was a field of flowers whenever all of us came buzzing around. So, oh, give thanks for the California King mattress and our Hannah Louisiana Queen Majesty, master of making us wonder how one woman could be so many things. Mother of Ronnie, Cynthia, Elaine, Stephen, Janice, Michael, Jeffrey, and too many to name, came and carried us all here safely in her arms before returning to the ones that bought her to us, my grandmama's hands. They clapped in church on Sunday morning. My grandma's hands would help heal the sick so well. My grandma's hands used to issue words of comfort, she said. Things may not be the same. But put your faith in Jesus' name. I promise you'll see me again, Grandma's name. How are you just going to do that? That's my girl. That's my girl. How are you just going to do that to us? You know I haven't eaten today. <laughs> me either. I know I'm either. And I'm like, oh my God, I miss my grandma's palgate. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's something about a oh, something about grandmothers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even when you, my mom, like I said again, was a young mother. So my grandmothers almost had to serve as mother figures. We, that happens a lot in our communities, you mm -hmm. know, especially people of color, like that abuelita, abuela, mm -hmm. whatever, your grandmother, your momo, your mamma, whatever you call her, is like the first one of the first gods you ever meet, mm -hmm. you know. Mama sometimes like, but grandmama is like, <laughs> most of the time, you know. <laughs> 
most of the time. Yeah. But yeah. So you 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 seem very connected to your family, right? You talk mm-hmm. a lot about how you you know small town country girl from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. For a lot of writers, do they know? how legendary you are. Like, do do they get the whole poetry thing? You tour the country. Like, do they get that you are internationally famed? Like, does this make sense to them? Or are they still like, you doing that poetry thing still? My family? Yeah. I think they're still like, you doing that poetry thing? <laughs> <laughs> like most of us, because they don't live in that world. So it's not, they're not able to grasp the scope of what it is I do. I think they're very proud and all they know is like, Connie Boy ain't never at home, <laughs> you know, like that's their, so they're like, she must be successful because she never at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think they grasp it, but I think they do grasp more importantly, I don't think they grasp the quote unquote legendary or whatever that is, uh-huh. but I think they do grasp the, um, the calling. Like okay. ever since I was little, I think they always felt like there was something different about me. And in my work, you could tell, like, I grew up in church, whether my beliefs, you know, range or differ from whatever I grew up in. Like, that was my first stage. That was the first slam stage I had, because in a Black Baptist church, if you don't speak well, or you whatever, like, <laughs> you ain't gonna get there and talk no more. Um, but that's the first stage I had to, like, really become a public speaker. Mm-hmm. And to, so, but I don't think my family, yeah, they just, they understand the calling, but not not the scope of it. Not the yeah. scope of it. Do they come to your shows? Like when you do like local shows, like have they heard they've heard your poetry, they they've read your book? Yeah, my mama and my grandma, my dad, he come every now and then, but my uh my dad would be like, You need to stop cussing so much. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be a lot more successful if you just stop cussing. I'm like, Dad, it's my it's my exclamation marks like uh-huh. don't, don't take my colors away from me you know um but no um my grandmother uh my mom her friends my aunts my cousins they will all come and take up i used to host um an open mic in alexandria at the mm-hmm. museum there and i think safi and a couple people came and featured before when i do it again i gotta get you okay, back I'll be there. um and but they would always come and be the first ones there and pile up in the first row and for one of my family reunions like we have side events or whatever for festivals mm-hmm. one of the side events was co- them all coming to my open mic that mm. first Friday open mic so it was just the support has been even when they didn't and I say that in my thank yous in the book even when my parents didn't understand exactly what I was doing they always gave me the room to like yeah. find out and figure out yeah know. yeah yeah okay well good well yeah like you said you are very kind of you never home right you just got off this book this book tour uh with Tank y'all just decided to hit the road together can you talk a little bit because like <sighs> It looks online like an incredible time, but just working with Tank, yeah. touring with with them, all of that. I'm going to say this to the people who are in the slam and everything right now. Um, oh, my gosh. If you find you a tribe or a family, like I've been blessed enough to find an immediate tribe or family like in Team Snow. Mm-hmm. You are truly like <laughs> you are truly blessed for a lifetime, hopefully. Um, we had no idea what this was going to become. And it's so crazy that like her book and my book were coming out at the same time. And uh, I think she initially was, you know, asking, I think another poet was possibly supposed to go on the thing or, or she talked about another poet going, but she asked me first. And I was like, oh, you should, you're a <laughs> Grammy nominated and all these things. You should totally go ask somebody who's like way more viral or way more whatever mm-hmm. than me. And she's like, no, you're like, you're the perfect person for it. You're who I want to come. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've just, over the years, even when she travels and all that, I've, I'm thankful that my friend never 
forgot about me and she always mm-hmm. always makes space mm-hmm. for me whether that be on the tour on her albums i've gotten to feature on albums with her but that whole experience of being on the road um i think it was a reconnect for us mm-hmm. like we both needed that because we hadn't been on the road and traveled like teams know you know when you're traveling with your team y'all in the hotel room Yo. together <laughs> pull five people to a room you know you become real close real quick <laughs> um but we hadn't had that kind of quality time so i think it was le- it was about the books mm-hmm. but it was more about us getting to spend that time and like what we could learn from each other because mm-hmm. she's always telling me what she's learned or has learned from me and i'm like girl whatever like you've <laughs> always had this thing but mm-hmm. um she allows me the space also to be free and to perform or not i, I hate saying perform now but to share my work in a way that i mm-hmm. sometimes am afraid to because mm-hmm. i see her get up there and be like unapologetically un filtered, unrestrained, colorful, mm-hmm. bright, whatever it is she wants to be and all her little voices and things. <laughs> um, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, like it loosens me up. It yeah. makes me feel, you know. Well, and- don't don't minimize yourself. I think <laughs> first time I saw you, it was, I think it was a black woman steps up to the mic and it's like, you, t- you take the space, you know, mm-hmm. don't minimize yourself at all. You've mm-hmm. definitely claimed your space claimed your 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 environment your your legitimacy to be and and to proclaim as you proclaim so for that. you know yeah take it but this this whole the tour was amazing i was like everybody's gonna be lined up for tang's book and i'm probably gonna have like doop, doop, you know <laughs> and it was literally both lines uh tavia was like time you gotta sign your books quicker because there's a line mm-hmm. around but i wish people could have seen some of those performances because we were magic mm-hmm. we were we were we were dope girl magic. Uh-huh. This is Tank shirt. We were hey. we were dope. We were yeah. Okay, well somebody filmed it somewhere. Hopefully, yeah. There's there's footages there. somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so then, what's next? We were talking. We were talking yesterday when you first arrived that you've been in this residency. You know, for a while you've been in nature, isolated, mm-hmm. and it's always like. I hate to ask this question because the book just came out, yeah. right? And it's like, okay, but now what's next? But mm-hmm. as artists, we're always working, right? It's not like always. we stop. So talk a little bit about the residency and your future projects. Yeah. So coming to Baltimore was culture shock. <laughs> uh, I was in, at a residency in like rural Louisiana, like in the woods, in like a cabin where I woke up every morning, like watching alligators and turtles sun <laughs> while I sit in the swing and journal and things. And I had a room where I could go and paint when I felt like it and go dance when I felt like it and mm. make weird things and storyboard and all that. Um, and then I packed, left there, packed up and then flew here. And the first thing I heard was like sirens everywhere. And I was, <laughs> like when the, when the baby is born and you just like smack him on the blue uh-huh. and show him the light, you know. Um, but that during that residency, uh, I'm working on a production, a multimedia performance production that is going to incorporate pieces from this book um, Mm -hmm. and kind of tell the story. I guess my name is pronounced Holy. So Mm -hmm. I've been storyboarding that. That's going to be a thing that I'm hoping I got a grant to fund it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And I'm going to be working with some amazing people, choreographers and um, lighting folks and all that stuff. Um, So that should be coming in 20, I want to say by fall of 2023. Two? Uh-huh. What year are we in? What yeah. the fuck? What, <laughs> what year are we in? <laughs> what is time? Yeah. Uh, in the fall of 2022. Um, I'm also, uh, I just got the idea, another, uh, you said the two short films. Mm-hmm. So I did two short films already that I co-wrote when I starred in. If you get a chance, check them things out on the YouTubes. <laughs> we mm-hmm. won a couple of awards, but we're working on possibly another third 
short film. Okay. I've been liking this whole short film thing lately. Um, I'm going to do a visual art exhibit okay. um, coming up in the at the beginning of next year, like spring of 2022 as mm -hmm. well, because a lot of people don't know that Icon paints mm -hmm. and draws. And mm -hmm. I have a collection of work that I've been working on for a minute that I want to show to the people and so prints and all that will be available um other things i'm working on my credit like i said uh, <laughs> yes lord uh -huh. i'm 41 now and so you know sister looking at home ownership because uh -huh. the rent prices in hades i mean uh, new orleans <laughs> no, um are, are just skyrocketing so um yeah that and working on my health maintaining my physical mm -hmm. physical health especially during this time mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people like Kanye aging in reverse. I'm like, yeah, because I don't eat McDonald's no more. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, no, no diss to people that eat McDonald's, but I just couldn't do that no more at 40 plus. Mm -hmm. Um, so just taking care of my mental, physical, mm -hmm. spiritual connection, whatever well-being. Um, that's I, what's next. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. And hopefully, you know, I want I want to have some little cheering or something. So, you know, y'all know a little donut. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. I love it. The future for for Chicondria looks bright and fantastic. So I can't wait to see what happens next year. Um, I want to take this time to open it up to 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 y'all. If you if the audience is here, if anyone has any questions they want to ask Chicondria about work, life, whatever, let's go there and then there. I'm really curious about the artwork on the front of your book. It's really beautiful, and I'm wondering what. So thank you for that. This was done actually by uh, Danielle Miles, who was an artist who was formerly in New Orleans, but based out of Atlanta. There, she's amazing. Um, but the whole idea was these hands, because there's a theme of hands in my book, mm -hmm. heavily uh, grandma's hands, all kinds of whatever. Uh, but it's about the the people that crafted me. So there's all these different hands, and it's a woman blooming out of. Mm -hmm this magnolia or whatever because that's like louisiana flower but um the whole idea of it i was just like do something abstract or something funky that like just represents the theme of the book which is like me sprouting out of this land from the unknown so it's like floating in the ether i guess and all these hands that kind of like hold and make um who i am or have molded me cool. yeah cool all right we had a question over there um what are your feelings towards like some of your older works, like works that Icon has made versus what um, Chicondria is producing now? That's a real thing and a real question. Mm -hmm. um, I I know a lot of people feel this way, but there, there are a lot of poems that I no longer do mm -hmm. or I won't do anymore because, again, that thing about the power of the tongue. There were times mm -hmm. when I was writing things just out of sheer, not like anger, but like needing to get it out. And it needed a space to get out and it needed to be said. And then after that, it needed to be, <laughs> you know, um, but to keep reiterating it or to keep putting the energy into it. And then a lot of my ideas about certain things, of course, have changed as I've grown. So there are a plethora of poems uh, that I no longer perform. If somebody asked me to do them, it's like, go find it on YouTube if you want to yeah. hear it or whatever. Or if you can't find it, that's good too, then maybe you didn't need to hear it. Uh, but yeah, as as an artist, you you know, you notice that even with some work you've probably written before, that there's things you're like, eh, no, not anymore. Mm -hmm. Even stuff that people think is great is just not my narrative or whatever anymore. Um, kind, I won't say it's on some love, light, peace, and whatever now. <laughs> but again, I, I realize my power in this too. When you ask about my spiritual practice, mm -hmm. um, 
I am definitely uh, all about like manifestation and power of words and be, I've spoken and like done some crazy shit y'all with this mouth. I mean, that sounds inappropriate, <laughs> crazy shit with this mouth, but I've like had experiences that were like supernatural or something where I've like healed myself just by the things I've spoken like immediately. Mm -hmm. So that made me open my eyes like shit, if I could do that or if that's, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's there's some things I need to like, X out of my vocabulary, or there's some narratives that I need to not paint no more. Mm -hmm. I can write it down in the journal, but as far as things I share with people when I speak out and give breath to mm -hmm. the I mm -hmm. and Amen, the I <laughs> and I say that I give breath to, I need to, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very common with artists where like we, we create what we create because that's where we're at, mm -hmm. but then we continue to create because we continue to evolve, evolve. right? And sometimes mm -hmm. we don't go back to mm -hmm. where we were. You know, because we've transcended. Transcendence. <laughs> Transcendence. Uh, question. Yes. Yeah, I'm really curious about um, your spirituality and how it impacts this work. Um, how do you think that your spiritual beliefs and your relationship with nature and with religion too um, filter through this book? Mm. Oh, in so many ways. I had a. <laughs> I had a dear mentor who read my book and she was like, girl, I could tell you grew up in church. <laughs> but, you know, I also like I have friends of all kinds of like my best friend is an Ifa priestess. And, you know, like I have just a bunch of different just learning that like um, before there was walls, before there was a, before we built a church. How many people have seen or read uh, Beloved? You remember baby shoes? She like held church outside, like in nature before there were walls, before there were all these things that we had these lists of things we subscribed to. Like we didn't have God then, or we didn't have God within us then, or you know. And so, in the book, I think I used the whole idea of it as there's a lot of religious metaphor or a lot of you know, whatever metaphor, but I also feel like I juxtapose that with like where I am now, kind of, and what I believe. Um, uh, that's hard to like really break down without having like a whole <laughs> a whole discourse. Yeah, a whole discourse because there's so much stuff I could tell you. Like even books that are in my backpack right now that I'm reading, like I'm more open to learning more about other people's spiritual practices and incorporating what I want to incorporate and throwing out what I want to throw out. You know, mm -hmm. especially being somebody who grew up learning like there's one specific way that you do this and mm -hmm. that's it and and I don't think anything is that stringent and that like mm -hmm. exact, you yeah. know, like we always talk about things being on a, a um, I'm losing words right now, being spectrum. flexible in a spectrum. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I also believe, you know, that when it comes to spirituality, like, yeah, yeah the way somebody in Tibet pra practices just because they haven't been introduced to something, you know, mm -hmm. is no less holy yeah and in, and in the in the christian religion it is said the word is god right so in in essence the book itself is a form of god as well you know, my name is, is pronounced word. holy yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and that whole idea too came from the idea of like no matter what has been stripped of us or no matter what you know at the end of the day they cannot nobody can take away your divinity nobody mm -hmm. can take away the divine that's already in you like nobody mm -hmm. has the power to do that but you, if you want to lay it down, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but nobody can take that. They can take your name, your everything, relocate you somewhere. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we say God is omnipresent. It's going to still be with you. Yeah. It's yeah. going to still be with you. They still going to be with you, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Any other questions? Anybody else? Yeah. What do you think 
the hardest transition you've had to make as an artist was? Like, I know, like, it's a, it's probably a big difference going to, like, from slams to poetry tours than what you did with Tank. So, like, and now even on a book tour. So what which one of those would you say has been the hardest transition for you? Ooh, that transition out of slam was something it was very natural but it was it was more in my head like a, a thing mm -hmm. because it's like okay if you're not slamming no more whatever like where is your identity as an artist because it's always mm -hmm. laid so heavily on this which I never wanted it to rest that heavily on because I knew I always knew going into slam that at some point I wanted to like finish high like <laughs> don't just keep on competing and come in you know 98th and there's only 70 people competing <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to hold on to hope. And then there are people that continue to do it, who continue to thrive in it and keep finding something from it. Kudos to them as well. But like coming out of that and really like figuring out not the what next, but like now how do I take the the what everything I learned in slam and all that and translate it or like morph it, evolve it? Mm -hmm. Because I still feel like that thing is in me. Mm -hmm. Like the the slam poet in me or whatever, like is never gonna go away. I just feel like um it's taken the things that I learned from it. So that was the hardest transition to not be slamming no more. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, do you like disappear into oblivion now because mm -hmm. nobody, so when I was called to even host this, I was very surprised because I've been, I do my thing where I go off the radar. I'm not to compare myself to Sade. I was watching a documentary <laughs> the other day about Sade and they were like, she gotta be a mermaid because she will like submerge into the water for 10 years. <laughs> and then she come back up with like a new project or something. And then she go back in the water for 10 years. And then when she comes out to perform, everybody wants to see her because whatever she's been doing, you know, yeah. um, I feel like I do. I take my little dips. Like right now, I'm not on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I talked about that last night and I'm okay with that. I think there was a time when I felt like I had to have all these followers or the whatever. I got like, it's seven, eight thousand. I don't know how many followers on Instagram or something. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, I would chunk chalk all those down, like chop all those down mm -hmm. and give me like the 200 people who really, really fuck with me. And yeah, and that's what I want them to be like, you yeah. know, stand at this number. So that was the biggest thing, getting out of that not ego mindset or whatever of slam, but like not feeling the need to compete with anybody else but myself mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, and especially in slam, I, I look back every time I feel like I've lost the, sl lost the slam or whatever. I This sounds like whatever, but I feel like I always beat myself. Like mm -hmm. nobody ever really beat me. I always beat myself, whether mm -hmm. that was from like not feeling confident in myself, not timing my shit. I always had time penalty. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's some people in the room I right e. now. Wilds but... 2018, <laughs> I.E. so many times. Uh, so yeah, getting out of that feeling the need to like write hot lines anymore, mm -hmm. even though a hot line is nice. Now mm -hmm. I want to write a hot narrative. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that that means more to me than like yeah, yeah. So that transition, that slam, yeah. And th that is the thing about slam. Slam is such a great gateway. It's an introduction. It it's opens doors. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what they used to tell us anyway. I don't know if y'all were old enough to have dare. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but a lot of people walk through the door of Slam and they stay in that room. And that's great. But other people like to explore the rest of the house, right? There is life after Slam. And there are things that you can take from your experiences in Slam to continue to create and elevate and evolve and all that. Uh, and I think the people that managed to do that really do trends. I mean, we were talking about Tank, right? Yeah. You know, like really do 
transcend to another level, mm -hmm. which it seems like it's what you're doing. Sorry, and I don't even know what that is to be on, like, and to go along with that. There's no, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. I'm reading a book called Jambalaya by Louisa Tish, who uh, is amazing spiritualist from New Orleans, who lives in the Bay Area now. But she has a quote in the book. Uh, I think it was her book or it was The Gather. I'm probably misquoting. But it was basically saying, like, I had no idea this thing that I was becoming. I just kind of flowed, you know, I'm paraphrasing, like I just flowed with whatever till I woke up one day and this is, I had no idea that I was becoming a slam poet when I did. Mm. I just went to an, a, a slam one time, somebody asked me to come compete because they didn't have enough people. <laughs> I competed and then I caught the bug. And after that, it was like, I'm slamming now, I guess. Yeah. You know, even when I was slamming, I, I felt like fraudulent to say I'm a slam poet or mm. I'm an artist. Even now, sometimes I feel fraudulent to say I'm an artist. Uh, one of my favorite artists, uh, John Scott, who's a, a visual artist out of New Orleans, he said something to the fact of like, it's up to the people to call me an artist. Like, I just do what I do. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. so yeah, there's no distinct thing that I'm evolving into. It's just, I'm just doing things I like and love and whatever opportunity, like the opportunities just be coming. Mm -hmm. Half the time people call me, I'll be like, what? <laughs> you know? And that's the beauty in it. And you know that like, it makes you really humble and also makes you like reverence this whole experience because like, you never know on what day yeah. it was going to come. Yeah, it's so yeah. exciting. <laughs> that residency, like when I got the call for that, I'm like, I would have never guessed or applied for this myself. Or I would have, yeah. you know, like I got nominated to go. And so. That's amazing. Yeah. The blessings keep coming. They keep coming. I think we have time for one more question. If anyone has one. Yeah. Is there a poem that almost didn't make it into the book that's in this? Mm. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us which one, or are you not comfortable? <laughs> um, the one poem, I, and I know it. I'm just uh, so the one poem was, um, is it "God Bless the Child"? Was the title of it? "God Bless the Child" almost did make it into this book. Definitely, that was one that when I wanted to pull it, I was that was the poem that I was about to pull it for. Um, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't God bless the child. It wasn't God bless the child. I'm so sorry. It wasn't God. It was stay for the children. Mm -hmm. Stay for the children was the one that almost didn't make it into the book. Are you comfortable talking about why? Or you can keep that to yourself. Um, just, I'll, I'll say this as a disclaimer, and you can read the poem or whatever. Um, my parents have been married for, they just had their 35th wedding mm -hmm. anniversary and renewed their vows. And they are completely different people than like when I, when I, my parents, my mom was 14 when she got pregnant with me, 15 when she had me. Mm -hmm. My dad was 16, whatever. They were children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they had to grow and I, we grew up together, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't just even my, just solely my experience too, but like other families I grew up like around or watching. Um, how relationships can sometimes be volatile, how everybody doesn't have this non-toxic, perfect, you know, uh, been counseled by Dr. Phil, you know, type <laughs> relationship. Like <Yeah. laughs> sometimes it's messy. And the beauty in that now is like when I look at my parents, I'm like, I put in the thank you of my book, like your love is one of my greatest testimonies. Like mm -hmm. to tell people that these two teenagers who fell in love as kids, like made it through all the muck and mire to like be here and to see me and to like you raised, I would like to think a daughter of this caliber, like two kids who didn't know what the hell they were doing. I mm -hmm. think it's such a beautiful thing. Um, but I also, you know, felt like that was something I wanted to tell that story too, because I feel like there's a little girl somewhere 
who may be experiencing these things or a, a person, a child somewhere who may be experiencing these things. So yeah, that was, that was the, okay. that was the poem. Well, I think this is a perfect way to, to end the conversation and to transition to one last poem, if you don't mind. And one last poem. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell y'all this, whenever I've gone, <laughs> had to go to uh, San Antonio and I needed a spot to lay my head, these two like laid the suite out for me and I just thank y'all for opening your homes, your hearts, your everything over the years. You just try to give back. This is all our medicine. So I have a good friend named Keisha who had this song she would sing um, that her family passed down. We have all our medicine. Right here, right here, your heart needs your attention. Right here, right here, do you feel? Yes, I feel. And it's a call and response kind of thing. Um, so we have all our medicine. The day I heal, they will not be here. Not the wielder of every weapon formed against me, of every disease, of every greedy imagination. Not even those with ropes and bullets and fire stashed away in the dark corners of their colorblind eyes and token picking teeth. Never will their leeching mouths know the sweet savor of my scars. Not the covetous vultures who beg to taste, to devour my whole beauty again and again and again until my bones are nothing more than crumbs scattered beneath their table. I will no longer offer up my body as a living sacrifice for bellies already swollen full. I will hold my own blood in my own truth on my own tongue, a canon of testaments or testimonies telling how I already mastered walking on oceans of unspeakable memories without ever having to fear their God. Because neither fear nor their God ain't never been here, ain't never stepped foot on this boundless body of holy land, spun from something much holier out in the ether. Ain't never basked in a glow wide as all existence begat from an unconceivable darkest darkness, begat from a muzzled mouth that still musters up the might to speak. So let there be this great bit light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine like spit mixed with mud to make a blind man see. Like salve glistening in my grandmama's tallow jar, like balm to make whole a wound deep enough to carry the suffering of too many Gileads. The day, today, that I am already healed, their God will be nowhere to be found. Only my God will be everywhere, receiving all the glory. Y'all give it up for Shakandria Sibley. All right. So the book is called My Name is Pronounced Holy. I know you said uh, that you are not on the social medias, but if people want to find I'm your on group, them, <laughs> I just don't be You're not active. So if people want to find In about your a week, book, I'm coming back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll welcome you. <laughs> Thank you. If people want to find your book or if people want to find you, you know, offer you more residencies or book you, like where can people go find all that information? 
Icon the artist Eric Dang. Uh, Icon the artist on Instagram. Uh, I don't really do Twitter, but I think I have an Icon underscore the underscore artist. There's two like pages because I got locked out. But then also <laughs> Icon the artist .com, um, and. I, you know, I communicate through love. So you send me some love. I'm sure I feel it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. One, one more time for Icon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to the incredible audience. Make some noise for yourselves, please. And thank you. Uh, and for everybody that's watching at home, please, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. The the, ha the handle is words and shh. Uh, and uh, if this is your first time or you've been here before, you can catch all our past episodes on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash words and shit, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, tune in next week, we are having Patrick Roche on the show, uh, who just released his new book. He will be here tomorrow, uh, but we will be uh, interviewing him next week. So hopefully you tune in then. Until next time, y'all stay safe out there. All right.